Lord, thank you so much for your presence with us. Thank you so much for being our good shepherd. Lord, you alone can feed us. You alone can provide us. You provide for us. You alone know what it is that we need. And we look to you to speak to us by your spirit through your word. This afternoon, we submit ourselves to you and commit ourselves into your hands. Amen. Isaiah chapter 6. In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. We'll leave it there just for the sake of time. But in the light of the uh, death going to be with the Lord of Queen Elizabeth II, certainly in my own heart this came to me. This passage I think has probably occurred to a few of you as well. And uh, I'm giving you these things as a pointers for prayer, really. Um, the Lord wants our attention and our focus to be on him. Um, Uzziah was a good king. He reigned for 52 years, not as long as Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II, but a good innings. Um, and so it was at that time of devastation and loss and uncertainty. What's the future going to hold? What's going to happen? That the Lord gave this vision to Isaiah. <clears throat> and friends, we need to pray for the country and especially for the church, for God's people, that we will see the Lord. In the authorised version, the King James version, uh, it has another little word. It says, I saw also the Lord. And I think that's quite, I don't know whether it's there in the original or not, but it's of interest, I think. You know, we need to see the Lord as well as everything else round about us. Mm. Now, <clears throat> uh, the vision goes on. Um, and Isaiah sees the holiness of God and the eternity of God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. Exactly the same cry that is, is, is uh, recorded for us in the book of Revelation. This is the eternal revelation, continual revelation of the holiness of God. They weren't just repeating phrases, they, they saw something. And friends, we need as a, as a country and as a church to see something of the holiness of God. And it is that that will enable us to see that we are unclean. Isaiah says, woe is me, I am unclean and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. And we need to realise the, 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 the country that we live in has become very unclean. In the eyes of the Lord. It is that vision that this didn't begin Isaiah's ministry, it was somewhere in the middle, but it was a very key moment in that ministry. And friends, we need to have such a key moment within the Church of God, don't we? Mm -hmm. We need people to see the Lord, and it is that vision that will produce. Not only a sense of the uncleanness, but it will actually produce the sending. Isaiah didn't say, here am I, I'll go. He said, here am I, send me. And it's the sending that we need. And we need to have those with the, with the word of God, the prophetic word of God um, in the nation at this time. 
the message he had was not very pleasant. Um, just jump down to <clears throat> verse 11. How long until cities are devastated without inhabitant, houses are without people, and the land is utterly desolate. The Lord has removed men away, etc. But there was hope. Verse 13, there will be a tenth portion in it, and it will again be subject to burning. So there was hope. The seed, sorry, the stump remains when it's felled. The holy seed is its stump. Uh, this was going to be fulfilled not in Uzziah's son's reign, but in his grandson's reign. If you look at what happened with Jotham, and if you then look at what happened with Ahaz, it was particularly within Ahaz that the that the country began to be reduced in size, a real um, impact made and something of the judgment of God. Now, please, I'm not saying anything prophetically about this at all. I'm just simply pointing out to you what happened. And therefore, the desperate need for us as the people of God to see the Lord and to hear what he is saying to us. So that is um, what, in part, we're going to be praying about later on this afternoon. I think it's important that we do for the country. Um, <clears throat> uh, let us please turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Verse 18, the New American Standard Version uh, begins the sentence like this. If you've got an authorised version, it is actually mid-sentence. But I think the sense of it is the beginning of a new section. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. And pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth <clears throat> to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Let's look at verse 18. I trust you all get your Bibles with you and that uh, you can look at it. So, the emphasis, there are going to be four or five things I want to bring out from you. The first thing, and this is, this is a kind of a workshop, really. I mean, I'm not giving you this just for your information or for your, even your edification, but this is a workout, all right? At least it's part of the workout, and then we're going to actually get on and pray. <clears throat> so you notice, first of all, here, this, uh, this, uh, this scripture is corporate. There are things we can learn about individual prayer, but the context of this particular verse is we. If you go back to verse 12, it says we wrestle, our struggle. The word um, to the church is a plural. This is something that we are to do together. Paul is not so much thinking in this context of um, coming from verse 10 of 
individual prayer, but of corporate prayer. And this distinction between individual prayer and corporate prayer has not been understood, I don't think, by um, many believers in the church. So our, our, our concept of praying together, if I can mimic it, <laughs> Uh, goes something like this. You know, somebody over here on my right will pray for uh, whatever it is. Grandmothers not feeling well at the moment. And then somebody else over here might be followed up by another prayer for little Johnny who's struggling with his health. And then somebody at the back may then pray, well Lord we want to pray for our church. Then somebody else will want to pray about the local school. I remember once, years ago, at university, and I kid you not, in the prayer meeting at lunchtime, one person said, it was a prayer meeting for the country, one person said, and it was Oxford, I have to say, so you can understand why I'm saying this, right? Oxford University, somebody said, Lord, I read on the page three of the Times this morning. <laughs> and then somebody else said, Lord, I read on the, in the Telegraph, or whatever it was. And you're just jumping around the place from country to country and all over the place. And what happens is that when the one person prays, what do the rest of us do? If we're honest. Well, we listen, because we can't help but listen. But we can switch off. And we think, hang on a minute, you know, where's this all going? What I suppose I'm saying is that that our corporate prayer, essentially, could, we might as well all be praying on our own. What's the difference? Well, friends, the difference, I think, will become clear. There is a unity. There is a direction. We are called to be, in put it in Old Testament terms, in a sense in Old Testament terms, but in the context from verse 10, we're in a battle. And you don't fight a battle on your own. You fight together. We're an army. <clears throat> so there is, there is a commander, there is direction, there's a strategy, there's a time to fire the weapon, and there's a time to not to. So these are, these are the kind of things we need to, to take on board. So it's corporate. Now, if you're asking where else the scripture speaks about corporate prayer, well, let me give you um, a couple of other examples that occur to me. What did the Lord Jesus say when the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray? I wonder what they thought he was going to say. Well, they, he started off by saying, when you pray, and he didn't give this as a prayer for them to repeat down through the centuries. This was a pattern prayer. In like manner, Matthew's version says, pray this. Luke's version says, when you pray, say. And that word say means declare. That's another subject in itself. But when you pray, say, Our Father. There's already a, immediately a sense of, you know, we're in this together. This is a, a corporate thing. Uh, somebody has already quoted uh, today, Mark 11, verse 17, my, ha my house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations. As our brother has already said today, it is, we're not to be an entertainment centre or a playground. It's interesting, I remember some years ago hearing of a move of the spirit, only it wasn't, I don't think. And I was just praying about this and I was very struck by what happened at, the, at Mount Sinai. And Moses and Joshua come down 
And if I remember rightly, <clears throat> Joshua says, there's a, sound, there's a sound of war in the camp. Somebody will correct me, but I quote it correctly. And Moses says, it's a sound of singing. You'll have to check it up. Exodus 32. But you know, isn't that the difference? You know, we think there's a sound of marching, there's a sound of battle, but actually the Lord says, all I can hear is just you're all singing away. Friends, let's be real. <laughs> and our prayer meetings need to be, we need to pray in truth. And that means, includes reality. Um, <clears throat> Indeed, the Ephesian letter is very much to do with the corporate. Ephesians 2.21, in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing to a holy temple in the Lord. Chapter 3 in verse 15, from whom um, every family uh, in heaven and on earth derives its name. And then he goes on and it's again, it's all corporate. So this is not, um, you know, I'm not taking the thing immediately out of the context of of the um, letter as a whole. And do you remember what happened in the book of Acts, chapter 4 and verse 24? Uh, the disciples returning from being captured and ticked off, they come back and it says, and when they heard this, they lifted their voices to God with one accord. And the prayer is followed. And do you think they were good Anglicans and they read it from the prayer book or they read this prayer from the screen? They didn't recite, oh Lord, it is you who made the heaven and the... I'm going to be ticked off by somebody for this. No, this, this recorded prayer, do you think they were all pray, praying the same words? I don't think so. But the prayer that is recorded is the heart of what they were all praying and I should think they were all praying in all sorts of different ways, and we'll come onto that in a minute. But this is the heart of what they were praying. But the, the point is, friends, is, is this, that they were lifting up their voice with one accord. Now, um, and that, that, that phrase, with one accord, means um, unanimously, effectively, right, unanimously. <laughs> with one mind and with one heart. Let's just look ahead at this a little bit more. Go to Matthew 18, please. And I don't know how familiar these things are to you or not. Um, but A, we need to be reminded. <clears throat> Secondly, for the sake of any of you who, for whom these things are not familiar, I'm bringing them to you. And certainly for the sake of the recording, for any who listen to me a little bit later on. I'm going to cover these things um, as thoroughly as time permits. So from verse... Eighteen. <clears throat> Truly I say to you, whatever bind you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. Now, I'm reading that scripture. Um, the New American Standard gives the correct translation. It is not this. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. It shall have been bound. 
And the context of verse 18 actually is to do with church discipline in the previous verses. But in Matthew 16, you get the same scripture, same words of the Lord Jesus mentioned, particularly in the context of the Lord building his church. So this scripture actually in the Matthew 16 context is to do with engaging our spiritual enemy in order that people may be rescued, in order that the gates of hell shall not prevail. Um, But I'm just drawing your attention to it now. Our, Our focus this afternoon is on verse 19. Again, I say to you, why does he say again? Because it's corporate. That's the link between verse 18 and verse 19. Again, I say to you that if two or three of you agree on earth about anything that they may ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. For where two or three have gathered together in my name, I am there in their midst. How many times have you heard that verse 20 kind of tagged on uh, to the end of a prayer? Um, or even as a kind of, well, Lord, we know that wherever two or three gather together, uh, there you are. Again, we kind of assume it's an automatic thing. Friends, look at, the, look at the passage. It begins with a four. It follows on from verse 19. Now, when it says, for where two or three have gathered together in my name, can I give you the correct translation, which is, for where two or three have gathered together into my name. Ace in the Greek. Into my name. So, in my name, yes, we're to pray in the name of the Lord Jesus, which means with his authority. And part of corporate prayer, the reason that we have a corporate prayer meeting, is in order to gain something of the mind of the Lord corporately. Which is what we find recorded for us in Acts chapter 4, which we've already looked at. Because none of us on our own is going to necessarily get the mind of the Lord on any matter that we pray about. So as we meet together for prayer, as we seek the Lord together, as various one of you, one of us, contribute in the prayer, we can begin to recognise something of the mind of the Lord. Now, that is how we need to pray. To pray in the name of the Lord. But this says, for where two or three have gathered together into my name, which is for the purpose of the prayer meeting, the Lord wants to bring us into a place of his authority. Where we, where we so know his will, and that the Lord is there with us, and then verse 19 can kick in. It's because of the truth of verse 20 that verse 19 can happen, is that if we agree on earth, two or three of you, in the meeting, about anything that they may ask, God will do it. Does that mean to say we have a little discussion about what we're going to be praying about? No, it doesn't. It's not that kind of agreement. It's the kind of agreement that comes as we pour out our hearts, as we seek God together, and there comes a witness, a recognition from, from us as we pray, and particularly by the leadership, as to what God is wanting us to be praying about. There's a sense of, of how God is leading us. He, after all, is the captain of the Lord's host, the commander of heaven's armies. And so we are joining with him in what the Lord is wanting to do. And when we recognise that and come to the place where we really do pray the will of God, 
That is when the, the, the prayer of the Lord Jesus can begin to be fulfilled. We are to pray and declare even, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But how are we going to pray that if we don't know what the will of God is to be done on earth? But the marvellous thing is that we can know. And so when, we, when there is that spirit-inspired agreement, <clears throat> the Lord is there and he says, I will do it. And faith can be imparted to our hearts and we can know that what God has said, what God has given us to pray, will happen. So that is something of the mechanics of praying corporately. Back to Ephesians 6. Uh, in case you had thought that I'd forgotten about it. So, <clears throat> the context of this is corporate. And then it goes on to say, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. <coughs> I wonder if you can I have some water, please. It's done. Thank you. So, the second thing to say is um, about the kinds of prayer. The kinds of prayer that are mentioned here. I'm absolutely in agreement with, uh, with our brother Gee that uh, here and in 1 Timothy 2, the words, the different aspects of prayer, the different words that are mentioned are not interchangeable. They're not kind of saying the same thing, but in a different way. These things are very distinct. So let's at least look at some of the ones that are mentioned here. With all prayer. When it says all prayer there, um, some translations uh, will, will explain kind of the, the essence of that. It simply means with all kinds of prayer. Okay, so in the authorised version it says praying always with all prayer. Literally, therefore, with all kinds of prayer. All in the scripture very often means all kinds of. Okay, so there are kinds of prayer. And the, prayer, the kinds of prayer that are mentioned here are prayer. It says pray at all times. Uh, the Hebrew concept of prayer is a pouring out. Trust in the Lord at all times, Psalm 62. Uh, pour out your hearts before him, you people. So friends, our corporate prayer meeting is not to be a time where we give God information. Page three of the Times, or not. God knows what's on page three of the Times. If information is needed, we do it separately and we pass it on. But we're not to pray into being. Neither are we to pour out our theology to God. Because usually it's not to God, it's usually to somebody else in the room that we happen to disagree with. Do you know what I mean? The kind of point scoring that happens as you pray. Making a particular point of saying, well Lord, well I won't give you examples. <laughs> but with a pour in our hearts. Friend, engage your heart. Our brother said, listen Absolutely, listen to one another's prayer. Listen to the Spirit of God. What is it, the Spirit of God? What registers with your heart? But when you pray, pour out your hearts. And recognise that when you pour out your heart, you are leading on behalf of us all. 
So this is not just your private prayer. This is, this is you representing the, the body, the church at that time, and you are praying. Just for you to think about, if you haven't thought about it, that is why 1 Corinthians 11 talks about the covering of head for the women in a church context. Because at that point, a lady is actually praying over and above the, the eldership. She's leading the church at that point, and it's a sign to the angels that she's submitted to God's order. Well, you think about it. I've committed to you, it's in the word. All prayer, but friends, when you pray, pour out, pour out your heart. I think this is so encouraging, because you may be a very young Christian, you may not know very much, or think you may not know very much, but actually, God is after your heart cry. He's not after you to impress him with flowery language. Or King James English. Or whatever. He just wants your heart cry. <clears throat> We've become far too British. <clears throat> Praying always with all prayer. There's one word. And supplication. Petition is the word that the, that the New American Standard uses. This is, this is another level of prayer. This is where we are beseeching God. And if prayer, in a sense, is kind of beginning to pray and laying something out before the Lord, when you petition God, you are pleading with him. And when you beseech somebody, when you plead with somebody, you have to know the ground on which you stand, don't you? And usually the ground, certainly one of the major grounds when you're coming to the Lord is that you're appealing to God for mercy. It's on the grounds of his mercy, not because of our righteousness <clears throat> or anything that we deserve. So praying and supplication. Let's just move on. <coughs> there are a couple of other things mentioned here. Watching thereunto. Be on the alert, your version may have. Didn't Jesus say... Watch and pray. We need to be on the alert. Um, so we need to have our eyes open quite, um, uh, not literally in the, prayer, in the prayer meeting so much, but we need to be aware of what is going on. That is why in Ephesians 5, I think it's so significant that at the end of the letter, when, <clears throat> well, towards the end, sort of verse, verse, 5, uh, verse 14, um, Paul is saying to the Ephesians, um, the, well, I'm going to paraphrase it. Basically, he says, wake up. In fact, actually more strongly, he says, you're dead. Arise from the dead. And Christ will shine on you. If we wake up, if we arise, God's light can begin to shine. And I think some of you need to hear that word. That's Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18. And this, I think, is a very significant word for the days in which we live. We need to be a people who watch. Um, <clears throat> thereunto, with all perseverance. Just go back to Acts chapter 12, please. Acts chapter 12. And verse 5. Peter was kept in the prison... But prayer for him was being made fervently. 
by the church to God. I think other versions say continually to God. Continually. Persevere. It means don't give up. Keep going. And God says if you seek me with all your heart, you will find. It does not mean non-stop. It means continually. It's one of the things that we are to do continually. Meditate continually in the word, day and night. 1 Thessalonians 5 at the end of the chapter talks about rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. It basically means don't give up. What causes you to give up in prayer? What causes me to give up? Friends, this is where we need to be strong and we need to face these things. Would you notice it says um, in, in Acts 12 verse 5, prayer was made fervently, earnestly. Do you remember dear, dear Elijah's talked about in, in, in James's letter, the fifth chapter, um, Verse 17, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours and he prayed earnestly. Or he prayed in his prayer, quite literally, that it would not rain. Well, there's a lot can be said about that and that's perhaps not for now. But friends, there needs to be a, a fervency in our praying. Basically, if I remember rightly, that word fervency in the original language, it means, stretch, if I can say it like this, stretched outwardly. They were in a spiritual gym. They'd never had one of their leaders before, but they had somebody being put to death. But here was Peter in jail. And they, and they prayed for him fervently. I wonder how the prayer meeting would have started. Listening to this on um, my CD, I happened to get to this point. It did occur to me, you know, I wonder whether one person might have prayed, Lord, John has been taken you know, John has been killed. John has been martyred. Lord, this is your time for Peter. We commit him to you. I wonder. I mean, I may be totally wrong. <clears throat> but I like to think, I, yeah, it's conjecture. You can make up your own minds. But while the opportunity was there for him to be set free, don't you think that a few of them began to pray, well, Lord, I know John's been be martyred, but now come Lord, is this what you really want to do? And as they begin to pray about it, they begin to think hmm, the Spirit of God was beginning to witness to them, actually I want to get this man out. They weren't trying to twist God's arm to do something he didn't want to do. They understood what the will of God was, eventually. And it only came about because they did it continually. And friends, that's what we need to learn to do. So, I'm just giving you some of the principles, really. Watching thereunto with all perseverance, don't give up. And supplication for all saints. So we do need to pray for the church. And we do need to pray for individuals within the church. All kinds of saints. Not every saint. All kinds of saints. But in 1 Timothy 2, which we had read to us earlier this afternoon and this morning as well, it's very clearly says there that we're not just to pray for the saints, we're to pray for rulers. Indeed, in 1 Timothy 2, please look at it if it's unfamiliar to you.
1 Timothy 2 says first of all, so friends this is a priority and Timothy, you know, Paul is writing to Timothy as the, as the, as the lead overseer at the church in Ephesus. So writing to him Paul is giving the instruction for how the church should function and he says this is a priority. And as you know perfectly well, the prayer meeting is the least attended meeting of the church, least well-attended meeting of the church. Such are our priorities. First of all, I urge. You know, he's, he's not saying, and I thank God that my brother wasn't saying this either. Look, you know, we've got a prayer meeting on Tuesday. It'd be very nice to see you there. <laughs> Say, we need to pray. This is a top priority. Put everything else aside. If you say, well, I've got letters to write. Well, do the letters earlier on or emails or whatever. Just get your priorities right. This is where the focus of our attention needs to be as a church. I urge that entreaties, supplications, same word, prayers, petitions and thanksgivings. There's another kind of prayer. There's a place for that. Offer, Psalm 50 says, offer to God the sacrifices of thanksgiving. To be made on behalf of all men, all kinds of men. But especially, we may say, verse 2, for kings and for all who are in authority, so that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life. Well, that gives a lot of direction, doesn't it? Lord, what is causing disquiet? What is causing, um, what is causing unrighteousness within the nation? Now, these things God is concerned about. Because somehow it's linked in with the salvation of men and women in the country. Verses 3 and 4 of 1 Timothy chapter 2. <clears throat> Back to Ephesians 6. And I'm going to bring this to a conclusion. Praying always with all prayer and supplication. Now whatever kind of prayer is prayed, it needs to be in the Spirit. What does that mean? Well it means, friends, a few things, but essentially it must be inspired by, birthed by, if you like, the Spirit of God. Now you and I don't know how to pray as we all, do we? I mean, we're going to come to a time of prayer shortly. And there are going to be things there that I certainly don't know how to pray. You will know a little bit more possibly how, how to pray than me. Because you are familiar with the situation. But I don't know how to pray. So do I try to drum up something, think up something? I wonder what would impress the people. No, I, I don't. I go to the Lord and say, now Lord, what are you wanting to birth in me? Somebody I think once said, you know, true prayer begins with the heart of God. And he imparts that by the Spirit to our hearts. Praying in the Spirit means that we are led by the Spirit. It's the, and as we pray together, we are to seek to 
ascertain, discern what is of the Spirit in one another's prayer. Friends, not that we can be judgmental about this. None of us are perfect. But because we want to pick up what, what is the burden of God. What, you know, how is the Spirit of God communicating the mind and the will of God to us this afternoon? All prayer should be in the Spirit. Sometimes we're to pray with the Spirit, which is with another language that the Holy Spirit gives us. That's a kind of prayer. But all prayer, whether it's in a tongue or whether it's in our native language, should be in the Spirit. So friends, that, uh, <clears throat> that's the second thing. So we've looked at the matter of corporate prayer, we've looked at the kinds of prayer that are mentioned here, and we've mentioned the people for whom we should pray, that's the third thing. And then lastly, the context, in case you were wondering if I wasn't ever going to get around to it, here is, here is the context. He's saying in the um, New American Standard, puts it very clearly, I think, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view. What is in view? Well, if you go back to verse 13, it says, Therefore, take up the full armour of God, so that you may be able to resist or to stand in the evil day, and having done everything, to stand firm. With this in view is because we are in an evil day. We are in a Time unprecedented, I think, in many ways, in human history of knowing the judgments of God. Not only on our own country, but upon the world at large, parts of the world anyway. And friends, it is therefore absolutely imperative that we, that we learn how to stand. And this is where the battle comes in, and uh, we've already mentioned that the, the context here of our struggle not against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers. We are in a spiritual battle. Therefore we need to be strong in the Lord. Therefore we need to take to ourselves the full armour of God. Without going into this in detail, at least it means we need to make it our experience. And to stand firm, make the, the breastplate, the, the the loins, um, sorry, the, 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 the belt, um, having our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of, feet, of, um, of peace, um, taking the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. We need to make these things our experience in a corporate context as well as, I would say, an individual context. The individual context will be for different things, but here it's to pray more widely. Corporate prayer in the sense of 1 Timothy 2, is for the nation. Here in Ephesians 6, it's for the church at large. And friends, how are we going to be strong in the Lord? How are we going to take these things to ourselves? How are we going to learn to stand together against the principalities and powers? There's only one way, and that is, with this in view, pray. That's all I'm saying. That's all I believe the Apostle is saying. And it is as we pray that we learn to do these things. May God help us. Shall we pray, please? Father, we do want to say to you, we are so sorry that, by and large, in the church, that we do not know how to pray corporately. 
that we do not know how to wrestle against principalities and powers together. But we do not make the prayer meeting the priority. Forgive us, Lord. Some of us have particular kinds of prayer that we're au okay with and we tend to do a bit more than others. We're, we're so sorry about that. Please forgive us. And we really want to ask you, Lord, to, to write these things within us today. And certainly to make this church a church that is more effective in prayer. So that we may all of us stand in the evil day. We pray, we ask these things in the name of the Lord Jesus. And so that, Lord, we may be able to stand at the end. Having overcome all, stand. And we'll give you all the glory. Amen. Amen.